Just a warning, this episode is not suitable for children. Hi, and welcome back to Curious Medicine. I'm Christy. And I'm Eric. Yes, today I would like to introduce my friend Eric. He has been so gracious to agree to sit down and talk to talk with me today about fumigation. So, Eric, uh, do you have any interesting stories that you'd like to share? Have you ever been fumigated? I have never been fumigated in the sense that we're going to talk about it today. Uh-huh. However, I do have an anecdote, if you will. Growing up, we had a lot of parakeets at home. Uh-huh. And unfortunately... <laughs> Where is this going? <laughs> <laughs> parakeets. So my mom bred parakeets and... Uh-huh. Unfortunately, some of the females would get egg-bound sometimes, and... Wait, they would get what? Egg-bound. What does that when mean? the egg would get stuck coming out, uh, they wouldn't be able to lay the egg uh-huh. appropriately, uh-huh. and so unfortunately, sometimes that did cause some casualties. Oh. And her response to this was always to blow up their butt. <laughs> and she would tell me, this is how you revive a bird. The bird is not, it, the bird is dying, so we need to blow in its butt, and wow. that will bring it back to life. Oh my God. Did this just blow your mind whenever you started reading about this stuff? I did, because- Did you tell your mom? I haven't, actually, but the entire time, throughout my entire childhood, I thought this was just a common practice, common knowledge, but after having done the research and reading up on this, now I understand why. <laughs> okay, now let me ask you this. That is the best, that is the best opening story we've had so far <laughs> on Curious Medicine. So thank you. Well, needless to say, unfortunately, it it was never successful. I was so. going to. I was just going to say, did it work? It did not. So when she kept doing it, I, I never understood why, but <laughs> you're like you're still you're still gonna blow on that bird's butt. It's not gonna work. How mom. <laughs> how does one blow on a bird's butt? So you you grab it, you pick it up, and yeah. um, you turn it upside down. Yeah, literally just bring it up to your mouth. And this is what my mom would do anyway <laughs> back in the day. She would bring the bird up to her mouth. Yeah, uh, you know, in a laying up. Yeah, the. Rectum facing her mouth. Yes. And she would literally blow and she would blow intensely to open up all the feathers. <laughs> and you would see the poor the poor dying bird was, you know, in agony, not not really This is with the egg still yes. hanging out halfway yes. or yes. whatever. Okay. Yes. And then did your mom's lips touch? No, they did not touch, but they got very close. Yeah. Maybe she should have touched. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe she needed a tighter seal. It was close enough to, I mean, I don't know how strong my mom's lungs were, but (laughs) the poor bird's feathers were just going all over the place and you could clearly see the, uh, the anus just. (laughs) Does she still breed parakeets? No. Oh, no, too bad, because <laughs> after this episode, maybe she might want to try to get a little tube, you know. <laughs> that might, well, it might have made a difference. Okay, well, that that is a very, very fascinating story, Eric. Thank you for <laughs> sharing that with us. And I'd really love for you to share um, what you learned and researched here for this episode with your mom, and then report back to me at some point. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> 
Okay, who would who would have thunk that you'd be, you know, as an adult, you'd be sitting here having a conversation about this very practice, right? Reliving that childhood memory. Exactly. That now that I say it out loud, some might call trauma. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, were you, and I, I'm curious also, because these are the kinds of things that I like to know. Like, I'm curious, when you realize the topic that we chose... And you were like, oh, that's what my mom was doing with the birds. Were you just like so excited? I was. It, it finally <laughs> made sense. Yeah. Granted, I'm 35 years old now, and that was more than 20 years ago. Yeah. So with that being said, that memory had just, yeah, you know, it, yeah. it was hidden away. But yeah. after having this conversation, it yeah. immediately surfaced. And yeah. it was like, that's why my mom was doing <laughs> yeah. that. Although it was never <laughs> right, it never actually it was never articulated right, yeah, yeah, and she never articulated it like that. But yeah, interesting. Um, yeah, and also, you know, like you and I, most of the time during the week at work, we mostly have lunch together, and it was very difficult to like keep our lips sealed and not talk about this. Yes, to each other because I just couldn't wait to like. I was like, oh my god, I can't wait to tell you the things that I researched. <laughs> <laughs> It is right. definitely a very, very interesting topic. So, Eric, I have another question for you. Yes. Um, I would like to know if you are familiar with the phrase, blow smoke up my ass. I am. So, a little disclaimer. Mm -hmm. English is my second language. <laughs> <laughs> What's your first? Spanish. Oh, Espanol. Espanol, mm. yes. So, with that being said, I have definitely heard the term blowing smoke up my ass. How do you say that in Espanol? I don't think there's a way. I mean, you can say, there's definitely some ways to say things similar to blow smoke up like my ass. Like what? Meaning the same thing, how would you say it? Literal translation would be soplame el fundillo which is <laughs> very inappropriate <laughs> and uh, for any spanish listeners out there i'm sorry i said that <laughs> um but yeah so but if you wanted to get the point across of blowing smoke at my ass how would you say in spanish that's a very good question okay you can think about it and we can come back to it but what does that phrase mean to you as a as a ESL <laughs> person. So the way that I learned this term is uh, literally inflating one's ego. Uh huh. That's that's how I learned it. That's how I have used it all these years. Yeah. Um, so you have used that phrase with yeah. your like your friends or oh, or maybe like a significant other or something. Yeah. Don't, don't blow smoke. <laughs> don't be up blowing my ass. smoke at my yeah, ass. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Okay. Great. Yeah. All right. Yeah, I have to. I maybe have I even used that with my son. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, all right. Well, let's talk about uh, the, the very broad definition of fumigation is to disinfect or eradicate by use of smoke or fumes. So that's a very general definition of fumigation. And when you when you try to Google this, <laughs> I don't know about you, but I kept coming upon pest control companies. <laughs> yes, yes, that. <laughs> and all about pest control, you know, ways to fumigate your house against pests and whatever. So it was like super annoying because that was like, I don't know, maybe I need to do sharpen my research. Skills, <laughs> well, the word fumigation in itself is very precise to pest control. Right. Okay. Um, since we've talked generally about 
fumigation, there are different ways to administer these smoke, this smoke or these fumes um, for the purposes of fumigation. For example, there's inhalant fumigation. And that may seem self-explanatory, but that is the act of inhaling smoke or fumes through your open mouth and or nostrils. For example, pleasant smells would be placed under the nose in women with wandering womb back in the Victorian days. Okay, so that's that's one way that they would use inhalant fumigation. We've talked about that. Mindy and I talked about that on our hysteria episode. Mm. And I'm not sure which type of fumigation we'd call this next one. <laughs> maybe <laughs> maybe auricular <laughs> fumigation because back in the day when tobacco was thought to have all these wonderful medicinal properties, tobacco smoke was blown deep into the ear canal to relieve earaches. And uh, this information actually came from, uh, it was a recommendation in a book called Primitive Physique, which was a popular medical book from the 1750s. Okay, another way of administering fumigation is rectal fumigation. And Eric, why don't you tell us <laughs> some of the the things that you've learned about rectal fumigation? Uh, rectal fumigation has uh, some different names. Uh-huh. It can go by smoke enema, smoke clister, or tobacco enema. Um, which one is your favorite? I like the smoke clister. I do too. I, I do. do too because clister is a word that you don't hear every day. Yes. So I prefer that. Definitely. Um, so what is rectal fumigation? Uh, rectal fumigation is infusing smoke into the intestines by tube inserted into the rectum. So wait, so unlike your mom blowing like in the direction of the rectum. Correct. What you're telling me is that there's a tube in someone's bottom. Correct. And smoke goes through that tube into their intestines. That is correct. So okay. having read the history of it, it started off as uh, literally trying to blow smoke uh, into the rectum through a catheter. Uh, after some changes to that, they developed a different system to where they would use bellows mm-hmm. to uh, use that to inflate the smoke in there. And then they uh, introduced tobacco into the equation (laughs) (laughs) what was the point of having the tobacco the tobacco was to uh pull the unconscious patients out of their torpor by stimulation the tobacco in (laughs) itself was hot and has the nicotine oh yeah i read that um nicotine is an irritant and so Therefore, it is a stimulant. Definitely. Yeah, because it irritates you. <laughs> Never mind the fact that blowing literal burning tobacco through a catheter may or may not include some embers. Oh, yeah. So talk about... Oh, my Lord. Talk about stimulating. <laughs> so, Eric, I also read that these tobacco smoke enemas were... They were really embraced by the medical community in the 1700s. Like everybody, this was all the rave, right? Like everybody, all the doctors were like, oh yeah, just, he just, they just need a tobacco smoke enema to cure those ills. Can you, and I know that there were different ways that this was performed, like technical variations. So 
can you describe to us exactly how this was done? Like so, the general concept. Yes, the general for concept. For the layperson. <laughs> the, so they would use the bellows to blow air into the colon. And the reason they did this is because they thought that the colon was one of the last surviving uh, organs in the body. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so the, their reasoning was, if we can keep the colon alive, then we can bring the person back to life. <laughs> That's so funny. Like the colon is the last thing to die. <laughs> I mean, I wonder why they thought that. Is it because it's at the end? Like, you know, I, yeah, I read that too. That's interesting. Yeah. Um. So... So they would burn tobacco leaves, right? Like they would dry, they would have these dried tobacco leaves and they would burn them. Correct. And then, and then what? They burn these leaves and then what? So the smoke would go into the colon and they thought that this would invigorate the body and bring them back to life. Uh, They would, the surgeon would blow smoke into the rectum of the patient by a tube uh, later, like I said, by a pair of bellows. Mm-hmm. And uh, the smoke sometimes was blown into the intestinal canal for up to two hours. <laughs> Can you imagine being an unconscious person lying there just no. continuously being inflated no. with I mean, tobacco smoke? You know, I've been in some code situations where they, I thought, okay, <laughs> you know, maybe, maybe it. Maybe it's not good if we resuscitate them at this point. Um, but well, they but also they didn't only use it for the purposes of resuscitation. What were some of the other things that they were these tobacco enemas were used to treat which other kinds of conditions? Yeah, definitely. So constipation purposes. They also used this for colic, cholera, strangulated hernias which in itself is interesting Mm -hmm. headaches respiratory illness uh, to resuscitate newborns uh, and the most common one that was involved in the research was uh, resuscitating drowning victims yes Mm -hmm. yes 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 which in itself is interesting because the manner that they would try to resuscitate people back in the 1800s is pretty interesting i have a list here they would hang people by the feet Oh, yes. Yeah, they would literally roll people in a barrel. Eric, before we go any further, let's pause for a break. Okay. And when we return, we're going to talk about some pictures. All right. We're going to describe some pictures here. Perfect. And welcome back, listeners. Okay. As promised, we're going to discuss the first picture today. This is actually a photograph, and I'm going to show Eric and ask him to describe this for you listeners. Eric, can you describe what you are seeing here? (laughs) Yes. So from left to right, (laughs) uh, there is a bellow that is uh, connected to a, I guess, some type of valve system. I think that's the fumigator. Is it the fumigator? Yeah. So put it where I can see too. Yeah. So, so yeah, you're right. So you have the bellows and then you have, or were you trying to describe that part? Yes. Sorry. yes. Okay. Yeah. There is a valve. Sorry. Between yes. the the bellows and the fumigator, and then you have the fumigator. Yes. So first of all, what are bellows? Do you know what bellows are? Yes. So it is two pieces of wood uh-huh. with uh, material woven in between them, and you can separate them with an opening to push air out through an opening. Yeah, and I always think of this as like. 
I don't know if my grandparents actually had this next to their fireplace or I've, I've yes. seen movies with grandparents that had these next to the fireplace or just old houses with them next <laughs> to the fireplace or I don't know. I can't remember, but yeah. I somehow I associate this with like old people. And maybe this is why, because this was like from, you know, the medieval times. But yeah, so the bellows is just a way to sort of pump air Correct. without having to use your lungs. Exactly. And then there. Which it should be noted that before the bellow was introduced, the surgeons used to use their own mouth. They used yes, to do it themselves. Yes, yes, yes. So you have the fumigator and then what comes next? So we have the actual, well, so the fumigator is where the tobacco goes, yeah. obviously. And then you have a catheter uh, that would be introduced into the It rectum. almost looks like an air pump tubing, doesn't it? It does. Doesn't this almost look like an air pump? It does. <laughs> So, okay, so this was the bellows, and yes. then... We were discussing how they blew smoke up people's asses. <laughs> oh, yes. Okay, so, um, Eric... Which it should be noted that the picture that Christy is holding up is the uh, second prototype, if you will, that was created because prior to having a bellow, like we mentioned earlier, the surgeon would have to manually blow uh, the, the smoke into the rectum. And the first version of this did not have a check valve. Right. <laughs> so like we mentioned, pressure will sometimes cause things to come out. And right. unfortunately that there's that backflow. Exactly. Mm, mm, mm. <laughs> yeah. Which actually we laugh about, but it was dangerous because, uh, you know, this was in the time of like the cholera epidemic or whatever. And, um, so you could get, you know, deathly sick from, just helping to resuscitate someone or helping to cure someone from their headache or whatever. Well, one of the main questions that I had when reading about this is why, why, why go up the rectum? And obviously, like you just said, during these times, mouth to mouth was even in those times frowned upon because it was recognized that this, that mouth to mouth was a, a method of transmission for other sicknesses. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we're going to get to that. I read that this tobacco smoke clister yes. or tobacco smoke enema became such a common practice that they did, they created these enema kits that were made available near waterways because apparently drowning was exceedingly common during this time period. So <laughs> let's just unpack that for a second. Okay. Yes. Like, <laughs> I had the why, same why, yeah, why would it be exceedingly common for people to grown people to drown near the river? Like, why would that be a thing, Eric? When you walk next to, I don't know, pick a river, the Guadalupe, yes, um, <laughs> and you're just, you know, trying to walk to work or wherever <laughs> wherever you're trying to walk to in those days like aren't like, you cautious like <laughs> what were they taking a shortcut i mean <laughs> i don't know i think of the river thames as being like this like i think of that being as like the what's that harbor where the the, the airplane flew into uh where they did the water landing oh i have no idea <laughs> <laughs> um <laughs> 
I mean, I just think of it being this great big harbor. Right. Right. Yeah. So I don't, like, I can't, I, I don't know. I don't know. We're, I'm jumping ahead a little bit, but the, the fact that, like you said, they had these devices set up all across these rivers, not just in London, but in other parts of Europe as well. Yeah. You know, I think France is maybe the first place where they had them. Correct. Yeah. yeah. The, they, they would, <laughs> the people that created these would literally float on the river on rafts waiting to see if they could <laughs> save someone. Yeah. We're just waiting for someone to drown. Exactly. So that, I mean, that's a lot. Okay. Now drowning, in this day and age. Yes. Drowning is a pretty, I would say it's, it's uncommon. It is. I mean, I guess if you work in a hospital, um, but it's not, it's not so prevalent that people are just sitting out in their boats waiting exactly <laughs> for, for a floater to come by. It's yeah. just, that is very, that is so bizarre to me. I don't, I don't know why they would be getting into the water. You know, nowadays, obviously we do it more so for recreational purposes. Yeah. I mean, maybe they should have just walked alongside <laughs> it. <laughs> maybe, maybe they didn't have sidewalks. <laughs> Maybe they got caught by the current. Maybe the people in front of them were walking too slow. <laughs> they were like, oh, I'm just going to go around. You know, I wonder maybe, too, <laughs> if they were actually riding boats or they were trying, you know, maybe rafts or something. And maybe they just fell overboard. <laughs> but for them to ha- for it to happen that often. I know. To a it's point crazy. where they had. It's crazy. That yeah, many. I would like to have. I would like to pick apart the psychosocial dynamics of that. For but sure. Anyway, okay, so similar to the way that we have, you know, these AEDs available, like at the mall and stuff, every, you know, 500 feet or whatever. Yes. Um, that's, that's the same that these enema kits were. And then, so tell us about, like, who, yeah. who whose idea was this? So, yes, uh, by 1774, we had two doctors in London that founded the Institution for Affording Immediate Relief to Persons Apparently Dead from Drowning. (laughs) Okay, first of all, (laughs) who names, (laughs) who founds something with that name? That is a long name. A very long name. So let's repeat it for the listeners. Yes, the Institution for Affording Immediate Relief to Persons apparently dead from drowning (laughs) where's the punctuation in here (laughs) i know right there is none because all one is like a run it's like a run-on sentence yeah so this later became the royal humane uh, society and which is still operating today oh that's Uh, interesting so yeah so these two doctors in london founded this institution and they like we mentioned they had these kits uh, all across uh, the river mm-hmm. in order to try to, I guess the reason they also wanted it to be readily available is so that they could continue testing this theory because for the fact, at first it was obviously a theory and coincidentally some people did survive drownings and they just thought, hey, we blew <laughs> we blew tobacco smoke up their butt, so that must have done something. So these kits contain the fumigator, the pair of bellows, and the purpose similar to... CPR face shield used today. So the the bellow again, like we mentioned earlier, was used so that the doctor or the surgeon back then would not have to literally use their mouth to blow. Yeah. And just to clarify, surgeons back in those days were not like surgeons today. Correct. Surgeons in the seventeen seventy four. Yes. Uh 
surgeons as we know them today would not have been sitting around in boats waiting for drowning <laughs> victims to pass to float by. No, no. Uh, surgeons in those days were like barber surgeons or, you know, people with advanced like technical training or whatever, but they were not doctors. Got it. So, um, okay. Oh, speaking of the bellows and the safety and whatever, let's talk about this photo. For just <laughs> Describe to me, Eric, what you see in this photo. So we have a nice gentleman kneeling over a patient or a apparently drowned victim. <laughs> Why do you say that? So the, the person is on their side and they have a tube inserted into the rectum and the gentleman is blowing air through that tube into the rectum. Right. And she's naked. She is naked. Like, I think that's an interesting, that's an interesting thing about this, this. And she's right by the water. So she apparently was drowning. <laughs> Is she? Yeah. Do you see the water there? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, she is right on the edge. Well, that's probably why they drowned all the time, because they were too <laughs> close to the edge. They need to pull her back out of the water a little bit more. Yeah, so she's naked. She is, like, passed out. She is not responsive to this tube going up her rectum at all. No. And then <laughs> you have this, uh, some guy, like, up at her head you know like uh, by her head he's like holding on to her arms i guess in case she becomes aroused right like let me hold her down and and you just keep blowing and then the blower guy he is like so dressed up he is he's a surgeon <laughs> he's got oh that's true that's true that's probably the assistant he's a surgeon yeah that's right so there's always a pecking order isn't there <laughs> um so the dressed up guy is the surgeon and he's got his little wig on his little like you know lawyer London lawyer wig kind of thing going what do they call those people oh uh, I can't remember okay anyway he's got his little wig on with his little bow in his hair he I mean he looks like a 12 year old girl <laughs> <laughs> and then he's got this jacket on with tails and what I can appreciate Capri about pants. this is that you can <laughs> see the intensity in his face oh yes you can see the air inside his cheeks Oh, yes. He, yes. Is, he is really trying his best yes. to blow. Yes, he is. He is. So this picture is obviously from one of the first. Uh, That's kits. before the bellows. This is before the bellows. Yeah. So this did not have a check valve. I wonder in. if he died of cholera. Possibly. Hmm. <laughs> and then also they have her like, I guess they have her laying on her clothes. I wonder why they had to undress her completely. Well, I think that from the research that we did, they actually, that's a very good question. Why? Maybe just. To, oh, maybe her clothes were wet and she had hypothermia. Correct. They had to so dry her off. Get and the wet clothes off of her. Let us not forget they needed access to the rectum. Right. And also they probably wanted to lay on top of her naked body to warm her up. Exactly. Yeah. They were getting ready. Is This is before the Me Too movement. <laughs> <laughs> I would say so. <laughs> Long before me too. Oh, okay. Wow. <laughs> so, <laughs> Eric, yes. describe to us. Have it here below the below the place where we just talked about the kits. Mm -hmm. 
what was the theory of how this worked at the time? Describe to us what <laughs> were they thinking? So they were thinking that they needed to balance out the four humors. It was based on the humoral theory, mm-hmm. which uh, you have discussed previously. Yeah, we haven't done a total episode on it, but we are going to at some point. And Hippocrates, I know Hippocrates was like really, really big on the humoral theory. Well, lots of all, all the doctors were at that time, actually. Yeah. Well, with that said, they thought that when a person drowned, that that person had excessive wet phlegm and cold black bile. So that they thought by introducing air mm-hmm. into their system, it would help balance all of that out. Oh, okay. So, therefore, blowing this dry, warm smoke into the rectum was critical to resuscitation efforts by helping the lungs and heart uh, start to function again. Hmm. Did it actually work? (laughs) Well, the little birdie, (laughs) the the little birdies say no. It it probably worked in a sense because it warmed the viscera, which is like a crude way of raising the core temperature. Mm -hmm. Um, And they may have inadvertently stimulated respiration. Mm -hmm. Um, I think they probably just got lucky a few times and said, oh, yeah, see, (laughs) it works. Well, we have to also (laughs) take into account that at this time, they weren't, it's not like medicine now where we know right. this one yeah. solution is going to be the solution yeah. to, to make you better. They literally would do... Try anything. They, they Yeah, they would yeah. try anything. And if the 10 things they tried on you worked, then those 10 things were deemed worthy of yeah. trying again over and over again. Yeah. God, aren't you grateful you didn't live in those times? Yes, yes. Mm-hmm. Can you Amen. imagine? So mm. we, I actually read... I up. mean, I have dental anxiety. Can you imagine if I lived in this era? I have anxiety. <laughs> I'd, have, I'd, have, I'd have everything anxiety. In general, and just re- <laughs> just knowing just knowing that people had to endure what they yeah. endured in back then. Yeah. Can we talk about the Nick at all? Oh, yeah. Yes. So, I've talked about this before. I love that show. Yes. I'm the one that told you about that yes, show. And I love and that I you love so it. I am so thankful. Yes, I'm so thankful <laughs> you told me about it. But just watching that, you know, not to go off too much of a tangent, but to see all of the things that had to, that ha- that people had to literally experiment on yeah. and, and endure. Yeah. That is mind boggling in itself. Yeah. So like I was saying, you know, they literally would try. Did it actually work? We don't know for a fact because they were doing so many things on these people that they, uh, you know, if the person survived, whatever they tried to do on them was, you know, it was deemed worthy of trying over and over again. Uh, I actually read a story about a woman i don't know if you uh oh the yes. woman who was sentenced to death yes so yes. she was sentenced to death and she was uh hanged so she was yes she and after that they took her body uh to try to do uh research on it i suppose yeah they were gonna donate her for um as a, like a cadaver. Correct, yeah. Because, because those were very hard to come by in those very days. Very much. Yes. They were all the rage. Because we're going to do another episode. We're going to do a separate episode about that, That's going to be a good one, too. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Look out for that one. With that being said, they uh, found out that she was actually still breathing. And so the quote-unquote surgeon that was tending to her, instead of saying, okay, well, let's finish you off, said, hey, <laughs> let me practice bringing you back to life. 
Yeah. And they did many things. You know, they 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 warmed her up. They had naked uh, a naked woman lie next to her because that was also right. a thing that they thought would bring people back skin to life. Skin to skin. Skin to skin Heat. warmth of yes, exactly. And they they did the rectal fumigation on her as well and yeah. she survived. So yeah. here we are. I mean, they did like a hundred million things. Yeah. Rectal fumigation was one of the things that they yeah. did. But yeah, she did survive, which I found interesting that you put this woman to death. Yeah. You hanged her. Yeah. It didn't take. Like it probably, you know, it did whatever. I don't even think it broke her neck because she was subsequently revived. Correct. And then she went on to live like another 30 years and had like three other kids. Yeah. (laughs) Because the whole reason that she was uh, put to death is because they thought she murdered her her. Oh, she had a stillborn. That's correct. Yes. She she gave birth to a stillborn. People thought she killed her baby. Correct, because she they hit it. S- oh, oh, like she, a yeah, she tried. Yeah, but I mean, <sighs> think, think, think of like those. Yeah, the, those times were not yeah. a time to have a child out of wedlock, which she was not married. The, oh, the article I read stated that she was actually. Um, she was impregnated by her employer's son. Oh, she, that woman had all kinds of problems. So yeah. like, let's just add insult to injury. But yeah, so they, they sentence her to death. She gets hanged. It doesn't stick. Like she, boy, it was meant for her to live. <laughs> yeah. I'll tell you that. That's for sure. Um, And then, yeah. And then they're like, oh, well, let's see. <laughs> yeah. Let, let me, oh, let's, let's use this one to practice reviving her. I mean, that just seems weird that they would do that because I really thought the article was going to say they revived her so that they could hang her again. Right. Right. Yeah. <laughs> but thankfully well, they didn't. It seems that surgeons back in the day were just wanting to test out their theory. Case they just wanted point, to practice. They were literally floating around the river waiting yeah. for patients to drown. Yeah. Not patients, but people. <laughs> That's so interesting. I wonder what could be the equivalent of that today. Hmm. Like, Hmm. <laughs> okay. Uh, All right. Uh, what was, th- why did they s- put this smoke up the rectum? Why didn't they just like stick a tube down the esophagus and try to get it into the trachea? You know, like why would they do it in the rectum? Yeah. So obviously a drowning victim is not very conscious to be able to inhale on their own. So they can't exactly smoke a cigarette. <laughs> <laughs> okay, touche. They can't, they, you know, nor can they swallow anything. Like and medicines or exactly. something. Okay. And then, so why not use any other method to introduce this? Well, the technique began a century before hypodermic needles were invented. So needles were definitely okay. out of the question. They were used to So they couldn't the suck, skin. swallow, or inject. Correct. <laughs> Yes, Got it. Correct. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So fortunately, it this eventually fell out of favor in the medical community uh-huh. because of the realization that nicotine is in fact toxic. You know, <laughs> you don't say. Yeah, yeah. Some guy named Daniel Legere. Did I pronounce that correctly? Oh, I yeah, that sounds wonderful. I was gonna <laughs> say Legere, but I have no idea because I am not a good pronunciation Leger is probably I'm correct at pronouncing so he wrote his dissertation uh and showed that tobacco smoke enemas had no value in resuscitation and thank he also, you daniel yeah for sure <laughs> thank you for he tested his theory on animals <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> well, don't say that. The PETA people are going <laughs> to come out of the woodwork. But, you know, we don't have a website, so whatever. <laughs> you just have to leave a comment in the, in the, sh- in the whatever, whatever <laughs> app you subscribe to. Okay. So before we move on to the next part, which I am very excited to talk about, I want to talk about, I want to discuss these other two pieces of art <laughs> yes. that we have because... Um, so the next two, uh, pictures that I show you are oil paintings that were commissioned by the Royal Humane Society, which we now know is the former, apparently uh, right, from the, drowning. right, that yeah. institute that those two guys <laughs> created, um, and these these oil paintings were used to advertise the good works of the society at public dinners, oh, wow. which transformed skepticism into generous donations. So yes. these were money raisers. Yes. Okay, these were fundraiser kind of commissioned. This artwork. was uh, the creme de la creme of yeah. advertising. <laughs> right, back in the day. right. This is how advertising was done back in the day. Yeah. So let's see, Eric. Let's talk about. Talk, talk about that to me. Oh, <laughs> there's a lot going on here. There is a lot going on, and obviously they are by a river. Yes. Uh, it says uh, a man being brought in by boat, apparently drowned. They like the word apparently. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, they're Did hedging. They, okay. Okay. Yes. Okay. <laughs> they don't want to commit. Yes. His <laughs> wife and family. Uh, it looks like that's a wife and family. Uh, definitely, they are grieving on the shore, mm-hmm. and we have a person being pulled out of the water, mm-hmm. uh, and we <laughs> we have the little gentleman with his wig, like you were saying. Oh earlier. yeah, yeah. The, the he's he's knee deep in the river. I he's, hope he doesn't fall in. Well, he is excited because he gets to test his right. He he's to, like, get him out. Yeah. So. So we have the we have obviously someone on a raft, like we said, they yes. would float around waiting for an apparently oh, drowned yes, victim. Oh yes, yes, yes. And so they're bringing that person up onto the boat to take him onto shore. Now, what's this guy doing? It looks like he is. Is he anchoring himself, or is he? Petty? He does look like he has one foot. Oh yes, yes, yes. He has one foot in the canoe. Yeah, and one foot. Well, they're both. In he the has canoe. one foot on the drowning victim. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he totally has one foot on the drowning victim. Okay, so there are basically like one, two, three, four, five grown men. Yes. Trying to get this guy out of the water, or this person. I don't yes. know. I can't even tell if it's a man or a woman. Exactly. Um, you're right. The family's in the background. A little girl is hugging little girls are hugging their mom and the mom looks like she's just about to pass out. Right. She is overcome with anxiety over this situation. And it looks like the guy sitting in the boat, hanging on to the guy leaning out of the boat, trying to pull the person in, is like yelling over to the wife. Like it's like it's he's, he's like okay. We're gonna like just calm down, lady. <laughs> calm down. We got this. Like you take know, a beat. What they're doing is they're affording immediate relief to person apparently dead from drowning. <laughs> 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 okay, so this picture is uh 
credit of the welcome collection. So if you wanted to Google uh, that picture, you could do so at the welcome collection. I have to say for this being, you know, an oil painting presented to people for advertising purposes, it, it serves its purpose. You have a whole family greeting. Would you donate here. money to that? Oh, for sure. <laughs> for sure. Would you like see yourself as that person drowning and go, oh yeah, that's something I could <laughs> throw some spare change at. Yeah. Like, hey, if I ever drown, this is what I want to happen to me. Okay. So another one by the Welcome Collection is... Um, a man recuperating in bed at a receiving house of the Royal Humane Society after resuscitation from near drowning. So not only did they have these enema kits, but they also had these like, you know, almost like step down units, <laughs> right? Where they yes. would bring these drowning victims who survived and sort of let them, you know, recuperate there before they would send them home for lack of better explanation. Yeah. So Eric, talk to me about that scene. Oh, wow. That's a lot. <laughs> we a thought lot the other one had a lot going yeah. on. I would like to point out that I had not seen the picture up until now. It, and it, it's, it is very overwhelming. You are correct. So there is, <laughs> is, is it uh, so a man recuperating in bed, like you just said, and, and he's naked and he's naked. They're keeping him They're They're keeping him dry. They're trying to warm him <laughs> up with all this. I mean, maybe that's throw, why there's so why many people around him. They're why trying don't to keep they him warm. throw those, that blanket up on top of him? <laughs> I mean, that's what I'd like to say. And I feel like the wife is like standing at the end of the bed and she's like, Hey, cover him up. Right. Like how, <laughs> how does this serve the function of advertising for, for rectification? Because he lived, he lived. Yeah. Mm. But, you know, also... <laughs> Why is this guy over here at the edge of the bed? Is he crying or is he praying? Oh, I had a hard time figuring out... Oh, yes. I had a hard time figuring out what that was at the end of the bed. And I realized it's a man's bed. <laughs> so he, that, maybe that's his dad. Or, or maybe, maybe that's he, the doctor that saved him. And he's just like, oh, thank God. And he's just so grateful. Thank God this worked because all of those donations were in jeopardy. Yeah. <laughs> yes. And then this guy, he, like the wife is like pointing and she's like, hey, Hey, cover him up and this guy standing next to her is like what <laughs> what it's just he's just uncovered from the waist up yeah don't be god don't be so uptight and the kids are like mom i'm ready to go home yeah dad's fine let's just go home <laughs> yeah i i'm glad that this was uh short-lived in in the sense that there was official documentation eventually that it wasn't very successful. Although here we are 200 years later and my mom was blowing smoke up the bird's butt. That's true. So with that being said, I, I wondered to myself after having read this, how long did this go on? Like, like, did they really keep this up? A little fact. It Yes, we started, they started this around the uh, 1774. Uh, but as early as the 1780s, doubts were emerging already because <laughs> it was like, okay, is this really working? They were like, hmm, I don't think we're getting our money's worth. Yeah, and and like we said, we we actually found that Daniel Ledger or mm -hmm. Legere, um did his dissertation and obviously demonstrated that the rectal insufflation of tobacco afforded no value in resuscitation. Mm -hmm. But we also have a guy named by Benjamin Brody, 
uh, he, I take it back, earlier I said that Daniel Ledger, Legere mm-hmm. is the one that did the animal experimentation. It was actually Benjamin Brody. This was mm-hmm. in 1811. And then about two decades later, Leroy de Toiles, <laughs> excuse my French, literally, <laughs> discovered that artificial respiration using bellows could rupture alveoli this was around 1829 uh-huh. so this obviously led to the realization that hey patients with actual hernias uh, this isn't very good for them and patients that they could perforate the bowel yeah if, oh if, yeah if they blew too much smoke up their butt yeah they're like oh maybe we shouldn't be doing that right hmm. <laughs> okay well that was that was very interesting so uh the next topic up for discussion is going to be a little surprise and it's vaginal fumigation. Wow. I thought Eric, have you ever heard of vaginal fumigation? I have not. Okay. Vaginal fumigation was also called several different things. Yeah. Vaginal steaming. Mm. (laughs) (laughs) Steam douche. Okay. Uterine vapor bath, Mm -hmm. which sounds very medical, if you ask me. (laughs) V-steaming, which sounds very, like, current. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Very PC. Yeah. And then (laughs) vaginal smoking, Mm. which sounds rebellious. (laughs) (laughs) Of those, which which is your favorite? Uh, I, the, to the point and straightforward, vaginal smoking. Yeah, I like vaginal smoking, too. I don't know why. I think because it just sounds rebellious. (laughs) Okay. So before we jump into this, um, into the vagina, uh, (laughs) one thing to mention about this subtopic of today's episode is that because men don't have vaginas, there isn't much historical documentation on this subject, Mm. you know, since men were the historians. Of course. One-sided much? Right, which meant that women's health was not so important in ancient times or medieval times. Yeah. Or the Victorian era, or some would say today. (laughs) (laughs) So what is vaginal fumigation? Before I (laughs) give you like the sort of definition of it, I want to tell you how I came to learn this is a thing. So when I lived in California, (laughs) we had... um, a student at work who came to my office one day and um, she was like, can I come in and shut the door? And my office was like literally a former dressing room and it was so tiny. I could not even fit two office chairs in there. Like that's how small it was. Mm -hmm. But I had an office chair and a little stool. (laughs) So (laughs) I was like, Uh, you know, she was like, can I come in and talk to you? I was like, yeah. And then she comes in and she's like, can I shut the door? And I'm like, okay. I don't know if we're going to fit, but yeah. Okay. (laughs) So, you know, we're like making room for her to get in there and sit down. And she's like, so I need to ask your, I need to ask you a question, but it's like really personal. Oh no. And for some, for some reason, I, I feel like I sort of had a reputation for people just coming to me and feeling very comfortable asking very personal questions or sort of, you know, offloading their 
troubles on me or whatever. I, I don't know. I, maybe because I was approachable, but it was. You I took it as a compliment. And you Thank are you. A very welcoming person. Thank you. I I take it as a huge compliment. So. I was trying to, you know, like I was trying to brace myself because I had no idea what she was going to unload. Right. Right. So I was like, yeah, yeah, sure. You can ask me anything, you know. And she was like, okay. So we had been doing these procedures whereby we were seeing a lot of the female genitalia. Okay. Okay. And I was, after those procedures, I would tried to describe to her the anatomy and like why I was doing what I was doing and you know, this kind of stuff just to kind of help educate her and whatever. Right. She wasn't my student. She was like a tear below me, but nonetheless, I, you know, she was interested. And so I wanted to teach her the stuff that I knew. Mm -hmm. So I'm telling her all this stuff. And (laughs) so I guess she became curious about her own anatomy and went home and did a little you know look in the mirror kind of action (laughs) Uh, which I was also proud of her for because she was a young woman and I thought you know it I was I was in my late 40s before I ever took a mirror down there (laughs) so so congratulations to her right yeah um for you know feeling empowered and and whatever so anyway so she said I noticed when I was trying to visualize my own anatomy, I noticed that I have this, I don't know, a bump or something. Right. And I'm like, okay. And then I'm really feeling like, (laughs) thank God she's a female, you know, (laughs) because this this could be very awkward. Is she going to ask me to look? I know. I know. That's what I was so afraid of. Yeah. And so, because I'm like, that would be a step too far. I would not feel comfortable (laughs) with that. Right. So... I said, okay, well, where is it? And she was trying to describe to me. And basically, it sounded like it was between her urethra and her clitoris. Mm. Okay, so there was some kind of something (laughs) that she didn't think was supposed to be there. Okay. So she, it scared her. Right. uh, Because nobody wants anything to be wrong with the clitoris. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. Obviously. So it scared her and... (laughs) (laughs) And so she went to her doctor or whoever she went to a doctor and they wanted her to make a follow-up appointment to come back. They were going to lance it. And she was like, should I do this? And I was like, girl, I wouldn't. I said, I think you need a second opinion. Yes. Because second opinions are always good. Nobody is going near my clitoris with a scalpel. <laughs> I mean, you're not even going to get in. You're not even get close to the vicinity because that is that is like prime real estate, <laughs> and, and nobody's coming over there with a shovel. Like, uh, uh-uh. uh. Yeah. So I was like, I really think that you need a second opinion. Yeah. That's just my opinion. Okay. You know, I think you should get a second opinion. I would not let anyone near that to lance it or yeah. what it cut it out. I would, I just wouldn't, I think that you need a second opinion. Right. And, um, she said, well, I, you know, I took a picture of it. Can I show you? And I was like, <laughs> okay, but it was so, it was so so much for drawing the line. <laughs> I know, but it was so like up close. You couldn't even, I mean, I couldn't tell anything, right. you know, but I was like, okay, not helpful. And, <laughs> and plus I don't want to, I really don't want to look. And then, so then she asked me, 
<laughs> so here's where it comes into play with this. Mm-hmm. She was like, well, what do you think about like, if I go get like a, I don't remember what she called it. I don't think she called it. She didn't call it vaginal fumigation. <laughs> Whatever she called it yeah, was a term that I was not familiar with. Okay. And I was like, what is that? Because <laughs> I'm old enough to be this girl's mom, you know. <laughs> I'm like, what is that? And she's she started giggling and she goes, oh, it's like... It's like where you, like, you go to a spa and, and this you know steam or i don't even know if she said steam i think she said steam oh my god you you sit over this this thing and the steam you know i think she thought that it would be good in the sense that it would like be cleansing <laughs> yeah and i said mm. <laughs> yeah i mean it's I, not a pool i mean i'm not familiar with that but like I would probably just go to a different doctor. <laughs> right. <laughs> like I would start, I would save your money. Right. And start there. Yeah. But I didn't even know this was a thing. Yeah. You know, and I was living in LA and you know, there's all kinds of crazy stuff that people will spend that their money on. It. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> but anyway, so that's how I even learned that this thing existed. But so did when she do it? I have no idea what happened. That's probably a good thing. <laughs> yeah, I have no idea what happened because I think that semester came to a close and that was it. Yeah. <laughs> I never heard <laughs> I never heard anything else about this mysterious bump. Um, <laughs> and I was not sorry for it. You know? <laughs> anyway, yeah. I mean, it's a funny story and it's it's a little bit awkward, but I am I am glad that she felt comfortable coming to me. But anyway. Okay, so that's how I learned that vaginal fumigation was a thing. Yeah. Vaginal fumigation is the act of sitting atop boiling hot water containing herbs, whereby a tube emitting steam is aimed at the vagina. And Eric, let me just say real quick, so many things have been aimed at the vagina, I'm learning. (laughs) (laughs) There were a great many things aimed at the vagina in the, uh, back in the day. Yeah. All right. So, however, in the medieval times, this tube was actually inserted into the vagina. Oh, wow. Okay, Eric, just imagine. When's the last time you cooked? Yesterday. Okay. Just imagine the last time you boiled a pot of water for spaghetti. I was making rice. Okay. Yeah. All right. Just imagine if you're reaching oh. over to the back of the stove and your exposed forearm that, gets over that, you know, that steam is coming yes. up and it kind of scalds your arm. Exactly. Just imagine. I cannot imagine. Sitting that. on that kind of oh, steam with your exposed vagina. Which is far on more purpose. sensitive than my forearm. And you're doing this on purpose. Oh, my goodness. And you're doing it for like 45 minutes. Oh. What? 45 minutes. Actually, I think I think we said it was up to two hours, right? Yeah, up to that two was hours the for rectal. the rectal fumigation, yeah. yeah. I don't know how long they did it with the vagina, but anyway, okay. So um, that just sounds so painful. It does. Okay, where did this originate? It's hard to say because it's difficult to trace the origins. And, you know, historians aren't sure if this originated as part of Eastern medicine, but it's described in the writings from 10th century Chinese medical texts. Mm. This has been practiced in Asia, Central America, and Africa. And now in the West, currently, this is a fad. Wow. (laughs) So, so interesting. Well, at least it differs from rectal fumigation in that it, rectal fumigation was 
pretty much uh, short-lived in Europe. Yeah. 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 So this is now even nowadays common, huh? Apparently. Wow. I mean, like, I didn't know about it, but there was a, a lot of things during this research that <laughs> I was not aware of that <laughs> yeah. I'm going to share with you all. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So what were the reason that these were performed? This is the good stuff. Okay. Here, we're going to get into the good stuff here. Uh, some of the reasons that people had vaginal steaming was to treat infections, to ease menstrual cramps, to aid infertility, to treat the wandering womb. So I read that Hippocrates recommended that uh, for the wandering womb, if the womb fell downward, yeah. in a downward direction, you would use vaginal steaming um, with foul smelling odors to send the uterus back up toward the head, you know, back up into the pelvis, like up toward the head. And then you would also put good smelling stuff below the nose <laughs> so that it would keep the uterus from coming too high and like have strike this happy balance. This is the craziest stuff. I mean, Hippocrates, come on. It was whimsical common oh, sense. <laughs> my goodness gracious. I just like every time I revisit this stuff, I'm like, really? Oh. Anyway. Okay. So, uh, current trends, uh, the reasons that you could find, like if you visited a spa and you were going to current day, go have this done, they would say it's to revitalize the vagina, whatever that means mm -hmm. to balance <laughs> female hormones wow. as if mm -hmm. to maintain wellness and feminine identity. Oh, wow. I mean, what does that even mean <laughs> to maintain your feminine identity? I don't get that. Um, but also just for a good old fashioned steam cleaning. <laughs> <laughs> you know, to be fair, that in my manly mindset. Yeah, you think this probably would work. Okay, well, I mean, that makes sense. Yeah, well, a little, uh, you know, okay, really, I'll give you that. Yeah, I'll give you that. Yeah. I mean, it probably won't make it dirtier. <laughs> But we're going to we're going to get to that. OK, yeah. so in Chinese medicine, fumigation was used to treat excessive. OK, <laughs> here's a good one. OK, okay. in Chinese medicine. <laughs> brace yourself. I'm fumigation. <laughs> fumigation was used to treat excessive, quote unquote, arousing dreams of interacting with ghost husbands. Oh, <laughs> so basically this article that I read was alluding to these women would basically like have wet dreams of their dead husbands. <laughs> and <laughs> so they were using vaginal steaming to put a stop to that. We're going to put a stop to this, all this wet dream stuff. The writings provide the formula for a concoction, which includes a few things of which I was unfamiliar mm -hmm. mixed in with a pulverized tiger claw. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> like a bona fide tiger claw. Oh, and then placed in an incense burner. And then this mixture was used to fumigate the genitals every other night. Oh, wow. <laughs> so probably if I had to have my vagina steamed with tiger claw and all this other weird stuff, I probably wouldn't be having wet dreams of my husband either. I'm, <laughs> it, that's what I'm guessing. Well, I don't know. Yeah, that, that action alone would probably just dry it out, would it not? <sighs> We're going to get to that. Yes. yes. Speaking of, mm -hmm. these next reasons go way back in time, and these are some of my favorites, okay? So this is the good stuff. More reasons of why people, women, had their vaginas steamed. <laughs> to determine virginity in ancient times. Oh. So ridiculous. How, how 
could that determine virginity? <laughs> okay, this is how they thought. If the steam traveled from the vagina to the woman's nose, she was not a virgin. Oh, no. This is a similar to the concept of having the onion in the vagina to see if you're pregnant. The one, I don't know if you listened to our pregnancy episode, but Mindy and I talked about this. Okay. Um, yeah. Obviously, obviously. <laughs> like, you can easily just move the steam the direction. that That's like easily manipulated. This that. had to be Hippocrates. Yeah. <laughs> it had to be. Yeah. This got his name written all over it because he was the one that wanted to do that onion in the vagina for the pregnancy test, which I just... Uh, anyway, I have a, whole, have a whole thing about that. Okay. Secondly, to reclaim virginity in the medieval times... Which is even more ridiculous. Yeah. Like, how can you cannot reclaim your virginity? Hello. I hate to tell you, but it's not going to. Hello, it you up. cannot unring a bell. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So this, uh, with this, they used heated steam and unpleasant substance used in smelling pots, which caused patients to gag and vomit. So I'm guessing this was like supposed to be some kind of exorcism. Uh huh. Oh my God. So ridiculous people. Yeah. I, I don't know if, if Hippocrates had anything to do with that, but this is crazy. We keep coming back to him. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, he had some good, st- he had some, like every person, he had some good and bad stuff. Mm. All right. So this next one, <laughs> this one I think is fascinating to dry out the vagina. I, I just said that. I know. And Eric, what woman or man, Ugh doesn't enjoy a dry vagina (laughs) i mean i mean you don't go to you know cindy's and pick up drying (laughs) agents for your vagina well i mean i can definitely see how a dry vagina would help reduce wet dreams (laughs) (laughs) touche okay all right and now this next one is my very, this is my favorite one. Okay. So I've saved the very best reason for last <laughs> to tighten the vagina. Wow. All right. It seems like in many cultures around the world, this was the primary reason. Hmm. This was intended to enhance male pleasure. Of course. Was, isn't everything sexual related? Of especially And always to the benefit of the man, right? Up until the last, you know, maybe 100 years. I don't know. Maybe even 50 years. I don't know. Okay. And speaking of tight vaginas, Eric. <laughs> <laughs> okay. This next story. I have this book. It's called. <laughs> did I show you this book? No, you haven't. <laughs> oh. It's called The Medieval Vagina. A hysterical and historical perspective of all things vaginal during the Middle Ages. Mm. <laughs> so this story was written by a medieval satirist. Uh, it describes a young girl with a dilated vagina. Mm-hmm. Her vagina was so large, it could accommodate a quote, regiment of dragoons, unquote, which I Googled. And that's just like, it's like a military. Okay. It's like a troop. Okay. <laughs> it's like oh. a troop of military men. That's how dilated her vagina was. Wow. Until she had vaginal fumigation, which restored her so thoroughly that it took her husband two weeks to reenter. <laughs> wow. Now, it- 
He's a satirist. Yeah. So. Yeah. Okay. Mm. All right. <laughs> Two weeks. Huh? But that's a funny story. And it I love that sense of humor. So like that is like right up my alley, so to speak. So I, I would have been reading all this guy's stories, I'm pretty sure. Is it sad that when you said Ali, I immediately thought of the fumes coming um, out of the... <laughs> you immediately thought of my vagina? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, I did, so... Yeah, pun intended. <laughs> Several literary references during the medieval times claim that alum or alum water could shrink the vaginal opening, giving the appearance of virginity. Mm. And alum is used in the pickling process and to tan leathers. So sounds great to tighten the twad, huh? Mm-hmm. <laughs> obviously, or perhaps not so obviously, these benefits are unfounded. Uh-huh. And there are risks associated with the V-steaming methods. For example, it may induce infections by disturbing the natural balance of good bacteria because the vagina is like a self-cleaning oven. You don't really need to do anything to it. it I've just, been waiting for you to get to that point. Yeah, it just does what it does. It's yeah. just normal. It, it takes care of itself unless you... Self-balancing. Yes, yes, yes. And then another risk is, you know, like burns to the vulva. Yeah. So (laughs) I have another little story to share. It's not quite as long. Uh, Same kind of procedure where, you know, we're doing these pelvic exam procedures. I was going to perform one on this patient and she asked me, she said, hey, I had a wax job gone wrong. This is in LA. And my labia was like ripped, like ripped open during the wax job. And she had to have like IV antibiotics for two weeks. Like it was a whole thing. And she was like, is that going to interfere with, you know, this procedure or whatever? Right. And I was like, you know, no, it, it shouldn't. And, um, but I just felt so sorry for this woman. And I thought, oh my God, you know, uh, you, you, you cannot trust that area. <laughs> to strangers i mean yeah that's like double the trauma (laughs) i mean hot things sharp things (laughs) it is it is not intended for hot sharp items or objects like and you said this was by waxing go easy be gentle yeah what are you why why would you put anything hot yeah near there or sharp yeah on purpose Mm -mm. no Mm -mm. Mm -mm. No, no, no. Yeah, she was having a wax job, and that's how it happened to her. And then had a procedure right after. No, it wasn't right after. Oh, she okay. she had already like pretty much healed. Oh. But I think, I th- actually, I think maybe the reason that she was telling me is because it looked deformed. Oh, like her okay. labia were not symmetric anymore. Got it. And it wasn't. It wasn't like naturally asymmetric right because you know everybody has asymmetry yeah but to some degree but hers was like i mean it looked like it looked like she was mutilated right you know poor thing Mm. um but i just have to point out nobody's gonna care about that anyway i just have to point out that hearing about this alone is fascinating because of the steaming but 
a little side note. I have never in real life seen a vagina. Oh. I so I, I'm trying to imagine imagine it all in my head based off of the anatomy books that I've had in the past. Well, um I'll tell you how you can see <laughs> some <laughs> some uh, free vulvas uh, get a get, get a little look at the vulva uh in doing and this has to do with my research for this uh podcast so i too was looking for like video stuff or whatever right and in my research i came across the netflix sort of like a docu-series i guess called the goop lab oh g-o-o-p okay it's uh it's like the company that Gwyneth Paltrow owns or something. And she, anyway, she, it's like this sort of like hippy dippy California lifestyle kind of health and wellness sort of stuff. It's for men and women, but there's one particular episode where I think it's called for my pleasure or it's, I don't know, something about pleasure. (laughs) Okay. And they basically, send some volunteers to go to this sexologist in New York. Okay. And they, you know, they stick you in a room with a bunch of naked women and you all look at your vulvas with a mirror and a flashlight. And I mean, again, it's empowering. I would not want to do that in a room full of naked women. That's something that I would, I, I have done by myself in the privacy of my own home, but I would not want to do that in a room with anybody else. It's all the rage. (laughs) (laughs) In New York and probably in California too. Um, But yeah. And so they had volunteers show their vulvas. And so, which is interesting because for many years I've been aware of this art installation. I think it's called the wall of vaginas. And basically I think it's like a gynecologist and she took these plaster molds and she, made a mold of of her patient's vulva. Oh. And so there's like hundreds of these little square vulvas on this art installation. And it's amazing because there are, it's like fingerprints. No two are the same. Yeah. I mean, it's like anything else. No two are the same. Yeah. And there's so much variance, you know, uh, because, you know, women have a lot of, there's a lot of stuff going on down there. So they, it, it's fascinating. I'll show you later. But yeah. if you want to Google like <laughs> the wall of vaginas, it's, it's very interesting. As anyway, a gay Mexican yeah. man, I would love to right. do that. <laughs> <laughs> right. I, they have a wall of penises too. Oh, I've seen those. Yeah. Oh, you have? The, the, you have? Yes. Yes. Yeah. It's the same thing, but okay. for vulvas. Okay. Yeah. So... And then, I mean, it doesn't How hurt. It doesn't hurt I? you to be informed. Yeah, of course. <laughs> I mean, I've looked at both, and I'm <laughs> and I'm hetero, so <laughs> whatevs. Um, but yeah, it's uh, it's it's very interesting. So if you want to see, you know, a variety of vulvas, <laughs> Eric, you can watch the Goop Lab. The pleasure is mine, or whatever it is. Okay. Um, one more risk of of this vaginal fumigation is that you could have an allergic reaction. So some of the stuff that they put in these, um, in this boiling water could actually make you have an allergic reaction, which I've also known a person that had an allergic reaction to KY gel (gasps) and her labia swelled up to the size of a softball. Oh no. Mm -hmm. 
Wow. Not my patient. This is actually like somebody I know personally. So let me ask you, were they putting the same uh, herbs in throughout all these different places or did everyone just kind of do their own thing and see, hey, let's try different ingredients to steam in water? Oh, I think the ingredients depend on what your issue is. Got it. Like, are you just looking for a good cleaning or, <laughs> you know, are you looking for some, you know, nipped up, tight, <laughs> you know, tightening action? Like, I think it depends on like every situation calls for something different. Okay. That's what I think. Got it. But I don't know for sure. I didn't actually research that much. Yeah. Uh, like that deep into it, but I'm pretty sure that's the way it is. Yeah. Okay. I have one more, <laughs> I have one more thing to share with you and the listeners. These are notes that I took from an article that I read from the Huffington post called, I tried a vaginal steam treatment and here's what happened. And this is written by Dana Oliver. All right, Dana Oliver. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so the very first, you can read that, you can Google this. Um, the very first line of the article reads, I take really good care of my vagina. <laughs> <laughs> As you should. <laughs> Which I think is, you know, like, okay, she feels empowered, but she's going to like, by the way, I already take good care of it. So I didn't go there because I wasn't taking good care of it. <laughs> So I take really good care of my vagina. Then the author goes on to describe all the many ways in which she tends to these things. Like she's like, I, I wax and I do this and I do that, whatever. Okay. She describes some of the latest trends such as <laughs> vajazzling, of which I was completely unaware. Wow. Have you ever heard of that? I have not. Do you, can you imagine what the word vajazzling must mean? Uh, I am scared Take to think a guess. of it. Is it uh, bedazzling? It is. Oh my goodness. Yeah. The mons pubis is like the area part. It's like the part right above the clitoris, mm -hmm. you know, a couple of inches right above the clitoris. I'd anyway. like to I'd like to interject and point mm -hmm. out again that the whole time you're telling me these things, yeah. I'm picturing anatomy books. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because you don't have personal you yeah. don't have a personal uh pictionary Just to a draw. side note, because I can only imagine the listeners being like <laughs> There's a man talking to her about vaginas. Yeah. <laughs> Who's never seen one? Who's never seen one? <laughs> That's okay. We're going to we're going to fix you up. <laughs> so, apparently in this area, women will take like crystals and and even like I read that some women put glitter in their pubic hair. I mean, like what? Wow. <laughs> what in the world? Okay. After Googling, I, I am now very aware of what vajazzling <laughs> is. I will not be participating in that. I think I think that is not for my generation, but, you know, yeah. okay. Yeah. Uh, nonetheless, if that's for you, that's for you, whatever. No judgment. Okay. The spa that this author visited was in New York and was staffed with gynecologists, Eric. Okay. What the heck Okay, are gynecologists like? medical doctor gynecologist mm -hmm. doing at these spas. Uh, okay. <laughs> Who told her that the treatments were about empowering women with services that detox and rejuvenate the vagina? Oh no. First of all, our vaginas are not toxic. Yeah. She filled out a bunch of forms as is the usual when going to a spa or 
for a medical appointment. <laughs> um, she was instructed to disrobe from the waist down. She was instructed to lay in the lithotomy position, which is the same position one assumes for like a pap smear. And we've talked about this on the lithotomy episode. The staff inserted herbs into a long plastic tube. The herbs included rose, lavender, and mugwort. Oh. I don't even know what that is, but I don't want that near my vagina. Mm -mm. The tube, which remains external to the vagina, because we don't live in the medieval times, (laughs) uh, was then positioned so that the steam would be directed up toward the vagina. Here we go again, just blasting all kinds of things in the region of our Netherlands. Mm -mm. The legs and the tube are covered with a sheet. The lights were turned off and a timer was set for 20 minutes. (laughs) The author describes feeling a, quote, pulsating sensation from my vagina. (laughs) And the skin down there was more hydrated and felt slightly warm to the touch. I wonder why. Additionally, she admitted to feeling a bit aroused. (laughs) And when asked if she would recommend this treatment, she said yes. <laughs> <laughs> she must be a millennial. I love it. <laughs> She's got to be a millennial. <laughs> Pleasure above all. So, I mean, whatever. I can't believe that. So this is going, still being practiced now. This is oh, a hundred percent. This is like a Kardashian thing, probably. Yeah, like this is something that's very. I think this is probably something that's trendy with people that have so much money they don't know what to do with it oh for sure yeah i I know we're on your on your topic but like jumping back to the rectal fumigation yeah with having i don't even want to say the name of the people that i found but there's companies out there that still offer uh services to where you they give you a bag of air with quote buy a bag of air yeah, literally and it i don't know if it's infused with something or if it has a special type of air i'm not i didn't i i, I didn't even read more into it but it's got odorless air in it we put special odorless air in yeah, it like I, I i read i found this website and read this whole thing on how they 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 sell this in current yeah. times to patients or to people not yeah. to patients to people so that they can insert a tube up their butt and yeah and Push the air from that bag into them. As if you couldn't just suck the air out of this room and do that. <laughs> yeah. I know. It's, it's uh, you know, sadly, there are a lot of suckers out there. <laughs> and, you know, honestly, if you, if, you, if you don't work in medicine or healthcare and you, you, and if you're also maybe a little bit naive. Naive, yeah. You know. For sure. Yeah. Mm, suckers. So that's all I have. Do you have anything else you want to add? No, it's uh, it's been a pleasure. Thank you oh, so much you. for having me. Thank you so much for agreeing to do this with us. I was, was happy. Fun. I was happy. I was happy to come by and, and partake in it. Yes, yes. And I hope you'll come back again. All right. Well, thank you, everyone, for listening. We appreciate you. And uh, tell your friends about us if you like us. 